welcome to episode 24 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel. And today we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce her? Uh, yes, a very special guest, my wife, Emily. Say hello, Emily. Hello. <laughs> this is the sound of your voice. It is. <laughs> All right. So yeah, this week we have Emily on and we're talking about the Matrix Revolutions. We are almost rounding, I guess we're rounding out the film part, the, I guess the former yeah, the trilogy. The former trilogy is being rounded out here. We're going to end it on uh, the Animatrix in the game, a conversation about the games, but this is the end of yeah. the trilogy. So we're... We're here, finally. I guess I will read the, or do you want to read the IMDb synopsis? Or I have it pulled up, but I can um, pass it to you. Take it away. Like. The human city of Zion defends itself against the massive invasion of machines as Neo fights to end the war at another front while also opposing the rogue Agent Smith. So yeah, that's, that's the IMDb synopsis, the, the summation of this, this incredibly like massively big trilogy so i guess i'll ask you yeah. guys, what did you think of the matrix revolutions upon rewatch uh emily you're our guest why don't you <laughs> why don't you lead us um well i mean to be uh uh totally honest i forgot i was gonna be on the podcast <laughs> and i was on my phone for the first half and uh it didn't feel like i missed anything uh, yeah. But I did actually rewatch the whole trilogy not too long ago, a couple years ago. I think yeah. when it first started streaming, I, I think Daniel's out of town and I had like a whole weekend and I just watched all three well, of I them think, like back to back. Didn't we watch it on Hulu together? No, I, like, I definitely, maybe, okay. we might have done that as well, but I definitely watched them all by myself because I think you rewatched them after you saw mm -hmm. the first one in theaters. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So we've actually, like in the last couple of years, we've actually watched them quite a few times. Um, and I remember after I rewatched it for the first time in several years, I remembered thinking that like the second one was worse and the third one was better than I remembered. And that like okay. maybe the general consensus had been uh, after <laughs> rewatching it again, though. I don't think that's necessarily true. Although maybe I'm also, <laughs> I sort of feel maybe might be conflating that. I feel like I just don't have that much to say about this one versus the last one. I felt like I had a lot of very strong opinions um, okay. about reloaded. And this one, I just am sort of like, it's just, just sort of builds it's on all the, the things I didn't like about Reloaded, and yeah, so it's, it's like I have the same movie. issues with it. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's just like here's the rest of Reloaded, like <laughs> yeah. it ended without ending. So yeah, here's the rest. which I mean it does. It is just a continuation of yeah. like a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The, the continuation thing is a little rocky for me, just because I feel yeah. like they just spend a lot of time with yeah, just the crews kind of being separate, and yeah, it just doesn't really feel like. A, a yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought, yeah, everyone is doing their own thing, which is a little bit of a problem with with uh, uh, Reloaded as well. But in this one, it's like, like Reloaded ends on <laughs> a complete cliffhanger. We don't know why Neo could turn off the Sentinels. Uh, Bane is Agent Smith. They're head to head, literally, like they're laying head to head. Mm. And it's like, OK, well, in the next movie, you're going to get like 20 minutes of Neo. And 15 of those minutes, he's going to be in a train station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we're waiting for the conclusion. Like, what's going to happen? Are these two going to face off? And it's like, well, yeah, they're going to face off eventually. Uh, but it's not. Uh, most of the time, Neo is just going to be in a train station. 
Yeah, and every line he has is going to be a question. And there's going to yeah. be very little resolution. You're going to just kind of twist up the philosophy well, even every more. Every line is going to be him asking a question and having the person answering the question be like, well, what do you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he has that conversation with the Oracle where she's like, he's like, why didn't you tell me about the Sentinels? <laughs> why didn't you tell and me? <laughs> and everyone's just like, you know. Well, she's yeah, like, yeah. you know. She's like, I, she's like, I didn't tell you because you weren't ready. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like you just got to keep That's walking my, the path. I've been working keep... on that piano impression really hard. I like it. It's good. I was going to say, like, yeah, this is a, a weird movie because I feel like it could have used a lot more Keanu Reeves. But, yeah, there's this massive uh, there's a section in the middle where there's, like, this mech warrior fight. And, you know, they're defending the, uh, defending the dock and everything. And so it switches to this sequence. And, yeah, it's, like, uh, Trinity and Neil, I mean, yeah, they get left behind for, like, a good 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And then we kind of show back up and he's, like, he's blinded. And it's, like, yeah, it's just not very fun. Like, it's not, like, this time we spend with these characters is... Not really enjoyed very much, and yeah, this uh, the conflict just doesn't do much for me. And upon rewatch, I was like, yeah, this is my least favorite out of the three. It, easily. Yeah, it feels like so. Our main three are Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity. Like that is the three that we should be sticking with throughout all three movies. But Trinity, like now that we're getting like the end of her story across these three movies, she doesn't. Her whole story is just that she loves Neo. Yeah, and Morpheus's story is like I believe in the one. I have to convince other people to believe in the one. Oh, they believe in the one. <laughs> uh, and in this movie, he kind of takes a back seat. Like he's playing co-pilot to Niobe yeah. uh, for a good chunk of this movie. Who Niobe, like, you only really know who this character is if you played Enter the Matrix. And no one, no one's really played that game. I don't yeah, think anyone could be expected just, to have played that game. Yeah, she's just badass pilot. And so that's basically what the character is and yeah. what the character she's does just, in this movie. She's just Trinity's character, but introduced in the second movie. So you know even less about it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, yeah. So, it's yeah, even... Trinity was our pilot at one point, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It feels worse than Trinity. I guess just because we don't get enough of her. But like... Yeah. Because Ni- Niobe's big scene across all three films is her doing... Uh, flying the ship. Is the hammer? And she's yes, just yeah. like flying through tunnels. And so her big action scene is, you know special effects and then cutting to her looking really serious and focused while holding on to uh the equivalent of a steering wheel i guess and oh, like yeah. that and is Mo- her and great morpheus, action and morpheus looking nervous yeah which morpheus i feel, like, I, feel oh, like, I don't know why are we gonna like, make it because i feel like that's supposed to add something it's like morpheus the like cool guy like who knows how to do basically everything throughout the trilogy like he's freaking out so that shows you how cool yeah. it is it's supposed to amplify the drama <laughs> yeah. of the scene and like yeah. people being like, no, we can pilot down there. No one's going to make it in through there. Yeah. Yeah. I've already given you my comments about how I feel about the machine world and the ships flying around in it. Cause yeah, that is just, it's pipes and it's dark and it's just, it's not very visually interesting. And yeah. yeah. And this is Which is like, a shame because yeah, the, the, like, the ships look fucking dope. Yeah. 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 Like the and ships, I like, like the I love them. Cool yeah. And... Um, I was gonna. I made a note that the ships kind of look like Superman flying in the weird in some angles with like the headlights are coming out. It looks like someone like in a prone like pencil yeah. position, They're like really flying. To me. They, to me, they yeah, look, like, they look like sea creatures, which I think is intentional because. The, they uh, call the Sentinels like calamari. Uh, well, point. yeah, they're all like squiddy, so I think it's more supposed to more imply swimming more than flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I can totally get that. Which is the the mesmerizing movement of the machines as they yeah. like swirl around space. Yeah. yeah, when the like ships are flying towards the camera a lot, there's just a lot of 
front on, I guess, I don't know if it's profile, but directly facing on. I was like, yeah, this kind of looks like a soldier, like, or just like someone kind of like, like a human just like Being doing fired like a really out of tight, <laughs> so, Yeah, something like that. And it just seems very weird a that human like, torpedo. that like the humans and you know, it's the last population of humans, they would make their ships look like humans in this world filled with machines. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Like there's a contrast between again. like these bulbous uh, ship figures and yeah. the, I guess, more jaggedy sentinels, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, like just the design of the machine world too. Like kind of get a bug vibe too when Neo's yeah. walking towards that final machine. Yeah, definitely. Like swarms of things around him. Yeah. So rewinding it a bit. Yeah. Um, so this movie starts with Neo... He is in a coma, and they say that his brain activity reminds them of someone who is still plugged into the Matrix. And then that's when we get this scene where he's in limbo. Um, he's at the train station. It says mobile in the background, anagram of limbo. Um, what did you make of the whole train, sa- train station thing? Um, I, I'm literally I'm still trying to think and like decipher how I feel about it, because it, it does seem to be kind of mysterious for the sake of being mysterious and... I think I read back in the day that those characters are supposed to possibly represent like Hindu gods or like, uh, I guess, or deities in the family he meets there. Yeah. Yeah. But besides like that, like, I don't know, like it just doesn't do much for me because it seems to be just like more questions that aren't answered. And yeah, I'm like, I'm just as confused as Neo. And he's just like kind of asking these, asking this guy about just like, like how to get out of this area that he's in. It just doesn't, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's not that compelling to me. <laughs> I think it's sort of weakened also by the fact that we've had a really good train station scene in the Matrix uh, trilogy. The that's one. like one of the best scenes in in yeah. the trilogy. Is like the climax of the first movie. You have this like amazing set piece, fight. like this amazing fight in a train station, and now it's like we're returning to the station, but like this time nothing happens. Well, it's yeah, like, like chasing the train man. It's like, and it's just like this weird yeah. chasing that just, I was like, yeah, this is just kind of awkward to yeah. me. Cause I remember thinking this was really interesting and like kind of cool. Cause like, I do like the shot where like Neo's trying to make sense of where he is. And so he runs off the left side of the screen and he comes yeah. back in yeah. from the right side of the screen. And I like that Bruce Spence is in the movie, the gyro, uh, gyrocopter <laughs> captain from, uh, Mad, Mad Max. But like <laughs> Okay. I was like, like who? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Spence, he he was the gyrocopter captain in Mad Max. He is the voice of Sauron in The Lord of the Rings. Okay, he, okay. He's in the Star Wars. The mouthpiece of Sauron. The mouthpiece of Sauron. Oh, it's different well. than the voice. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but Damn, he's in the Star a- Wars prequels also, and then he's in the Matrix. So he's like across all of some of the greatest uh, franchises in movie history. Yeah, his, I'm looking at his filmography right now. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> hey, Ace Ventura. Okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. Another one. <laughs> we got to do that one with the show. I don't um, know if we have to do Ace Ventura. It's actually, it's <laughs> oh, actually no. just Mouth of Siren. Oh, wow, so close. Isn't that what I said, the Mouth of Siren? No, you oh, said, I said the, you voice. the voice. Uh, okay. Which, I, yeah, you know, maybe the in the movie Siren. they do call him the voice. I can't quite remember. Um, um but, like, I think, like, the main thing that this train station scene is... <laughs> You're still... Cr- what are you cracking up about? I just think... Yeah, sorry. I'm just nerding out about it. That's just a great fucking character. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, like, one of the important things that's introduced in this train station scene is, like, Neo meets these programs who have 
developed a love. Um, like two programs falling in love with each other. They've had a child. They're trying to save that child because like love is like a huge thing in this movie. Um, yes. Mentioned name dropped quite a bit. Yeah. And I think it's because what this ends up working towards is that like Neo sacrifices himself. He is the savior. He does not defeat the machines. He makes peace with the machines. And, you know, largely what motivates him, what motivated him to get into this position in the first place was his love for Trinity that led him through the door that the architect didn't want him to go through. Um, So it's like, but then it's like, okay, so we're, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what this movie's doing. (laughs) I don't know what this movie's about. Yeah, no, it's a trip because like the theme of love comes up quite a bit and to the point where it's almost heavy handed when they're like making the cookies. They're like, cookies need love too because they're (laughs) just like people. And it's like, oh, this this is like not the cool, wise oracle from the first two movies. This is just like. It's literally not. It's a different (laughs) woman. Yeah, literally recast it. And it's like, dang, this is just. Yeah, awkward, but thank God for Hugo Weaving. I feel like he saves this movie in a lot of ways. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not too into the scene of Neo talking to the Oracle and kind of getting a lot more questions and answers. And then after that, yeah, um, Smith, you know, like he kind of he takes over Seraph and the girl, and then he gets into the uh, Oracle's like yeah. little kitchen area. And yeah, then yeah. he just like eats up that scene. It's just like so, so good. good. And yeah. so I think that kind of leads me to one of the other problems of this movie. So it's like the train scene. Neo's trapped. And so that provides motivation for Morpheus and Trinity to actually do something. It's like, we have to save Neo. Yeah. And so they go to uh, the Merovingian because they know that the Merovingian uh, is allies with the train man and they're the ones keeping Neo captive, basically. And so the Merovingian wants the Oracle's eyes, which is what, you know, Smith eventually gets. Um, But the way that is resolved is that Morpheus and Trinity just point a gun at the Merovingian. Yeah, yeah. And that, so it's <laughs> the, like, that bondage club scene is just so awkward. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a fight leading up to it, but like, Merovingian says, I want the Oracle's eyes. He's trying to like make a deal with them. They just point guns at him, and then he, he lets Neo free. But it's, it feels like that the conflict of Neo being trapped in limbo is resolved just as like anticlimactically as it was introduced. Um, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was really silly the way that, like, they go into the club and, like, they're just doing, like, the circle thing with the guns pointed at everybody. And then, yeah. like, like, it's just, like, <laughs> it just feels very weak and just, like, not cool for what the Wachowskis have done in the last two movies. And I was just like, this just feels like a lesser version of, I don't of know, the no... scene from the first movie, the yeah. column shooting scene. Yeah. yeah like, it is like, called Matrix the Revolutions. <laughs> yeah. So it is echoing yeah. the other movies. Yeah, there's like an, a weird like reversal kind of at the end when he's coming out of the the circle and the machine world. And I was like, it's like kind of like this reverse birth thing happening when yeah. he's getting out of that little thing. Like, this is oh yeah, visual. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I dig that, but yeah, just that club scene is just really odd to me. And then yeah, it gets resolved very quickly, and then it just seems like Trinity's back with Neo very briefly, and they have like maybe a few scenes together in the Matrix and outside of the Matrix, and then they, they literally set them aside for 40 minutes while they do the war stuff with the machines. Yeah. And then, and like, like, yeah. And the problem with the war against the machines is just that... So, okay, so previously I said I didn't like Reloaded uh, that much. I was I was critical of Reloaded. <laughs> my I said I didn't like uh, the, the kid who, Morbi, uh, who Neo saves. Um, I like that as a concept. I don't like the kid. I said, I didn't need to know about Link and his family. 
And <laughs> now that I'm watching this movie, I understand why all that shit's there. It's because they've decided that these are going to be the characters who take us through the war against the machines scene. And I think it's just a pity that like those characters weren't realized in a way that made them more likable. <laughs> um, because, gotcha. and it's like, like I said, Morpheus, Neo, Trinity, that's our main three. Like, station one of those three within this war against the machines so that, like, we really care about what's happening there. Yeah. Yeah, like, why is Morpheus not inside of a, a big exactly. mech thing? Like, yeah, Morpheus, yeah. who was, like, butting heads with the guy who was trying to make the plans about, like, how they were going to fight the machines. Like, it should be Morpheus who, like, kind of takes over. And, like, now he's, he's leading the, the humans of Zion. Yeah. Um, because it would make sense because he, as a character, like, we saw in the last movie uh, in the Zion club scene where he, he is like, it seems to be the one that all the people look to yeah, for guidance. Um, and in this movie, there's none of that, like not a single like second of him being sort of like the leader of Zion, which it really feels like it's implying. Yeah. Like, yes, there's this council. Yes. There's these military leaders and Morpheus isn't either of those, but he is like the spiritual leader of yeah. um, the humans of Zion. And so, yeah, and, like, what it, they're considering, like, their last stand, like, for him to be there inspiring them, like, don't worry, like, the one is going to save us. Like, it seems like a huge oversight. And, like, why would these people have any hope at all if Morpheus isn't around to tell them? Yeah. 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 And, I've, yeah, I feel like we kind of are touching on the same thing. Where we're, like, the execution of a lot of just the ideas in this movie just are really clunky and just not very satisfying. And I was thinking about this and I was like, this is just not a very good Matrix movie and it's not a good like summation or su summary of the things that they've been setting up over the last two chapters. And yeah. the, the, the biggest thing for me is like, yeah, a lot of the stuff that happens in Zion, it just feels just like really repetitive and just like the guy commander Locke is just kind of getting shot down and he's just like, we're gonna like, he's really hopeless about the kind of situation and yeah, hanging out with him is just, like, not very great. And so I would like yeah. to have more Morpheus in there to kind of lift those spirits. Yeah. Or at least, you know, to argue with him. <laughs> like, to have someone yeah. we know and care about be the one that he's at odds with and be the reason he's always upset. Like, for them to yeah. be, like, constantly conflicted versus, like, they're conflicted, but Morpheus is somewhere else. Like, but people are listening to him, but he's not here, so we don't actually have to, like, yeah. watch it play Morpheus out. Morpheus is somewhere else and not being the main character in the place that he's at. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's in the co-pilot seat. <laughs> Looking afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I actually, I wanted to sort of backpedal a bit because I was, like, bragging on the machine war stuff in the last in the last conversation but then i was like mm -hmm. actually i like the performance of nathaniel lee's a little bit and i like i like the the campiness and the silly the silliness of him just like just hamming it up inside of the machine and i was just like okay like it, he's gonna uh, have some fun Mufune? with it uh yeah yeah like yeah. i just i i appreciated this the, yeah. the campiness of it and i really well, love the shot of like the guy running to reload and he's just like on the other side and it's like the red yeah. fire and there's like the blue on the other side. I was like, okay. Well, I think that's part of like what we're, what we're left with at the end is like, Oh, the people who are chewing scenery, like they're the ones carrying this movie and yeah. potentially the entire series. Like yeah. one of my, my, I think probably my favorite scene in the whole trilogy is when Morpheus is tied up in the first movie and Hugo Weaving comes in and tells him about how much he hates the smell of humanity. Yeah. And like, it's, <laughs> it's, <smell>. like, <laughs> it's so like, that's, that is, 
just the best. It is it's so wait, as good who, as it gets. Whose performance? Hugo Weavings or Hugo Morpheus? Weavings? Yeah, Morpheus, Morpheus just is just sitting there looking. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's doing some he's, great. Captain Kurt is it Captain Curtis <laughs> for his uh, Pee Wee Playhouse character? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, cowboy cowboy yeah. Curtis. Yeah. Was Lord, cowboy, cowboy Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is doing great stuff in that scene too. Yeah. When like he's when uh, Hugo Weaving like wipes the sweat off and yeah. he shoves it up his nose and his like the, eyes are like rolling. Yeah, in the back. It's yeah. Good I was too. was super weirded out about that particular oh. moment <laughs> when he's just like <laughs> hands on his snow. face. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that's probably my favorite scene. Um, but yeah, it it just goes to show that yeah, like every every Hugo Weaving just like just totally chewing the scenery putting everyone else to shame is the best stuff yeah and and Mufuni like going down in a blaze of glory like like he is also like hamming it up there in his like That's giant like, mech it's yeah. simultaneously screaming great. knuckle up too <laughs> like there's yeah. simultaneously like stuff i really like about that but that i also find really frustrating because it's like like one i don't like that his name is Mufune. like i feel like you are uh, throwing importance onto a character we've never met before in a way that, like, I feel like might disrespect the actor. Okay, um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so, but the thing I do, the thing I like about the Mafune character is that moment he has with the kid, where the kid tells him, like, I never finished training or whatever, and he's like, neither did I. <laughs> and then dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then dies. Um, yeah, because... and his face is, like, gashed open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's all fucking gross. <laughs> Um, but like I like that because it is like this whole movie is about like free will and about choice and so in that one little moment it is like highlighting what this whole movie is about which is like yeah he wasn't he didn't he wasn't qualified he wasn't trained for whatever but he chose to do it he just like pushed himself into it and he persevered and it's like totally like that isn't like an interesting like maybe it's not that interesting because that's kind of every hero story but like but I, that's something I can get behind. <laughs> um, and, but like one thing I do think, because that's how this movie ends, is like uh, Smith is telling Neo, you know, why are you doing this? Like, wh- I think he says, why do you persevere? He's like, do you, are you yeah. doing it for love? Are you doing it for freedom? And he like makes fun of the idea of love, um, saying like only humans would come up with something like, like that ridiculous or something like that. He's like, why do you do it? And so Neo says, because I choose to. So it's all about like making the choice and like committing to the choice. But the place where I get confused about, which is like I think one of the main things I want to talk about, is like the way Neo defeats quote unquote defeats Smith and the way he uh, achieves his goal of like creating peace between the machines and humans is that him and Smith become one. Uh, he allows Smith to overtake him the way Smith takes over machines or anyone else, and uh the deus ex machina that is the name of the robot baby that neo's been talking to in the real world um i guess that's that's what destroys smith and so like in in the real world when neo goes blind and he looks at agent smith he sees an organism of light um and when he looks through around the machine city he sees a city of light and so when smith takes him over and he supposedly dies he becomes an entity of light and he's carried away. And so it's, it's the Oracle earlier in the movie says that like Smith is Neo's opposite. And so when his opposite and him become one, like what I'm trying to figure out is like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, maybe I didn't put that as well as I could have, cause I've been drinking. But... I, I, I think I see what you're saying because it implies that like, yes, if they are, 
fusing it's like it's literally like a yin and yang thing fusing together like how does that maybe that's all it is <laughs> yeah like oh i yeah, i think you're you pose a good question where it's like yeah how does the negative plus the positive together make just this thing but of light, i think I the guess. problem is that i think the entire idea is like it's not that he like him combining with smith that like saves everything it's the combination and then the source that he's connected to is just like okay we got him delete <laughs> and like just delete smith like it's not like some perfect combination of like the like rogue program smith and this like uh what do they call him? like an outlier what they the an remainder anomaly. an anomaly he's the remainder like that is neo Com- combining creates like a oh, harmony between everything it's just literally like like i think the the, the text think- of the movie the plot is just like he's hooked up and now they have a connection to smith and so they can like send a deletion program and then they delete him like and that's it but i don't know maybe i think describing it as the yin and yang maybe that's all it really is because like even like so you brought up the source like the idea of the source is weird to me because in the first movie i think we're led to believe that Neo is the one because he has achieved some sort of higher level of consciousness and like he has he has like a metaphysical breakthrough um like a philosophical breakthrough and that is what gives him the power that he has but then once we introduce the source it kind of reminds me of like midichlorians uh from Star Wars where it's like oh no the reason you're powerful is because you're tied to this I, this quote unquote the source and i i don't know what the source is is it a location is it like a cpu i've always assumed he was talking to the source that he was talking like the baby face is the source it's just like the computer mainframe it's like like the the computer god no i I think it's it's just like the master program of the of machine city and of the machines in general okay i like it to me i i understood it as basically to be the architect but in the real world and not like the simulation matrix version that neo interacts with but i could be gosh i see what you're saying yeah that that makes a lot of sense it always just seems a little odd um visually to watch it happen because they are in the sorry they're like in the ship and they're looking at the the machine city and then like okay we're gonna follow this like path of pipes down somewhere else and so mentally i'm like okay like it's a separation from the hub of all of the machines and then the hub of whatever this particular controller is. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like going to, yeah, I think what you said is perfect. Like it's the make, like the real world representation of the architect. Yeah. But so you understand what I'm saying where it's like, it feels like a midichlorian sort of explanation for. His yeah, power yeah, now. exactly. It's, there isn't really anything. Um, there's no mystery left in like what neo is and like there's no mythology that we can sort of it's like the, like the mythology is fake like like we set up this mythology in the first movie that we have one of our main characters be like devoted to and then have other characters who are meant to be seen as sort of like if not bad then like but conflicted like still growing but morpheus believes in this mythology um and by the end of the movie we too believe in that mythology. Yeah. But then and then the it spends the next reloaded. two movies being like, but the mythology isn't real. Yeah. Like, dino- it's all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, it's like dragons yeah. were never real. They just dug up dinosaur bones. However, like, but then like, by placing the emphasis yeah. on choice and free will, it's like Neo is the one because he chooses to be. He is the real one yeah. because he chooses to be the one. Which is actually a callback to the first movie too. So... Maybe there was something cool in there, but I just don't like the execution. Call, like, I, I do a, like the idea. A callback to which part of the first movie? Well, in the first movie, the uh, the Oracle says that he's not the one. Yeah. But then by the end of the movie, he realizes, oh, because I didn't 
I wasn't ready to be like, and I, I chose, I made a decision to continue moving forward despite not being the one. And then that ends up, but that ends up being the lie. It's like, no, you didn't choose to be, like, this is part of the program. We knew. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess your, so. your time back to starts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just feels like they created some, like, like magic and something like supernatural and then just wanted to tell you that it was made up <laughs> and like why would you do that <laughs> let us have it let us enjoy it it almost feels like they were it almost so going back to the midichlorians thing it's almost like they were like you're a jedi because you chose to be a jedi and you chose to perceive the universe in a new way actually it's because of the midichlorians but what you do with the midichlorians is really what's important yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it's kind of silly. Yeah, I think they, they bit off a lot, a bit more off than they could chew. And so, yeah, it just kind of it gets a little muddy. And it's like, yeah, just focus on the on the machine shooting each other and not don't dial too much <laughs> yeah. in on No, the, I, the I love all this shit. Like, um, no, I do, I do too, yeah. <laughs> like, I love that I don't really understand what these movies are about. Like, because I feel like they're packed with ideas. And I don't know. Like, people wrote this... Like, this one has a much lower Rotten Tomatoes score than Reloaded, I noticed. And I'm wondering if that's because, like, if Reloaded came out and people were like, hey, it's another Matrix movie. It can't be bad, right? Like, we, we're going to convince ourselves we like this. And then they had more time to stew on it. And they're like, no, I actually don't like the way, the direction these sequels are going. But, like, because this really does just feel like part two of Reloaded. It, I, I don't think I could say Not it's significantly part- worse. As yeah, it doesn't. I, in, yeah. I don't. I, I kind of disagree. <laughs> so I feel like there's not, there's not enough in the first like the first hour of this movie is just like a really hard drudge for me to get through because yeah, just there's not much fighting and there's not much, I don't know. There's Cause you nothing hate, really Thomas, just say you hate trains. That's okay. <laughs> no, I love them. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> uh, Wish there was more trains. <laughs> That's the problem. Not, not enough. Trains. enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I think the second one is just like, it has those moments yeah, of philosophy packed in between things that i think are pretty spectacular to watch but in this one we get i think you get lesser versions of other fights that have happened in other movies and that is very true in that i think that the second one still has memorable fight scenes and i don't remember or yeah action in general but fight scenes specifically and i don't remember a single and we watched this two days ago (laughs) like i don't remember a single like moment of like fighting of like um, like what this like trilogy feels like it was built on is is on like martial arts and and just like hand to hand combat. Like I don't remember a single thing. Like nothing cool happens. Yeah, Trinity cool doesn't move. kick someone over her shoulder with her shiny little boot. And yeah. like like nothing. Um, like even I know the, it the last fight. Even the last the, fight the, with the, Smith and Neo is like I have big issues with I it because like yeah. it's like there's like there's so much slow motion and like just like oh it's like pre Zack Snyder shit where it's like oh it's yeah. just the punch yeah, that's gonna got, like yeah the same vibes Zack Snyder vibes yeah and yeah, I was just I like okay like, like because they make so much it fluid in the other movies <laughs> because they make it one on one I do think it still ranks a little higher than most of the playground fight in yeah. Reloaded. Like this, I think the siege, mm, well, but like that actually has a little bit. Well, actually, because like the there still against are the cooler crowd, moments. Though, yeah, the fight yeah. against the crowd has gags. Like he like knocks over a bunch of them, and it makes a 
I think it makes a sound like knocking over. It's the bowling pin. It's the bowling pin sound. So it's like, like they're they're introducing this scenario and they're like having fun and like playing around with. But the scenario. CGI, like like there was that one especially awful moment mm-hmm. in the final final climax in Revolutions where the CGI is just unbearably bad. The the slow the motion, final, the the final. two face, the one two face punch that first like yeah. oh yeah yeah like that one. But other than that. The, like, full-body CGI, like, it's definitely CGI because they're, like, floating through the air and the camera's doing crazy stuff. But it's still better than the, like, full-body CGI yeah. and reloaded in that scene where, it, like, yeah. suddenly Neo just gets, like, wobbly. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, like, I on an eraser. Was... Like, he's a pencil eraser all, like, wibbly-wobbly. Gumby Neo. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. there aren't yeah. quite any of those moments, and I appreciate that. Um yeah, I think but, it's framed beautifully. Like it's yeah. very symmetrical, and like the buildings are like lined up, and it's just like a, a and the like sea a, their, of their Smiths, ring, basically. Yeah, the and, sea of yeah. Smiths, I think, looks cool, and it looks yeah. cool when they punch each other, and like it like creates waves within the rain. But they do that like three times, and I'm not and into it's cool every time. <laughs> I don't yeah. think one time. <laughs> do it one time. Um, and that's cool. But so yeah, on the... two things: trains and waves <laughs> in the in the yeah. rain. Uh, <laughs> two notes. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> <and waves. laughs> Other than that, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was just gonna say, like, I think there's so many more elegant in like really nice choreographed fights in the first two movies and then yeah. it's like this big As climactic like, what, fight and, yeah, where are like, they? Action like, figures smashing. Well I think it's, it's because there just is so little hand to hand combat in general. Like this is yeah. just like the big machines attacking and it's guns now. We got the big mechs running around. The mechs are cool. Like I do really like the mechs. Um like one on one hand to hand combat creates a situation where you're allowed to learn about who these characters are in relation yeah. to each other. But when you just have like the humans versus the machines, it's just like lasers. I know they're bullets, but it just like looks like lasers flying off and just like a lot of noise on screen. And every yeah. once in a while we get like an interesting wide, but other times it's just like, it's just it's mostly incoherent. Movie. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty bad. And like even the hammer traveling through the tunnels being chased by Sentinels, like the way that shot, it reminds mm-hmm. me of like the Millennium Falcon in A New Hope uh, during like whenever they're on the Millennium Falcon in that movie. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's like, even when like a gunner is in the chair, like shooting Sentinels, like the Millennium Falcon in A New Hope, the gunner seats move around like in the space. So it's way more dynamic. Like the camera has to keep up with the actor moving around the space. But here it's just like, they're just gritting their teeth and like yelling at the camera. And it's like a static shot. Uh, maybe we get a little shake or something, but... It's just way less dynamic and yeah, know, yeah. It's not as fun. Yeah, I was saying this like this movie is not a fun movie. I was like, this is a lot of bad, bad moments. Yeah, it's really a bummer when Neo gets blinded, and it's a bummer when Trinity dies, and yeah, just like it's just it's a lot of yeah. Like, like I, I don't have a problem inherently with like it being like ultimately sort of like tragic and it being about like sacrifice like along I, the way i loved that neo was blinded when i remember the first time i saw it being like, like they fucking did that to neo like he's just blind. <laughs> well, also, also, like the for first sure couple shots of it are like his face is all bubbly and yeah. it's like oh man like they're going hard and it's like wow um, like he's he's not coming back from that <laughs> no we're not definitely yeah, not. and actually i do really appreciate the moment when he's like he's doing the last scene with trinity and like he's like doing a really good performance for being like being blindfolded and like you know being in this yeah. really intimate space but then having your yeah. eyes being like shut off yeah you know, that's like 
that's what we're always looking for when we're sh- doing shots and stuff, you know, the eyes and the emotion. And so for yeah. him to be able to sell that, yeah. I thought that was good. For, good for yeah. Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> good for Keanu. Um, I was like, I was like, so yeah, so yeah, like the movie itself, like being sad, like is not really my problem with it, but you're right. It is a bummer overall because it doesn't feel like there's any really satisfying payoffs for any of, for any of the things that are bummers. It doesn't really feel like there's anything um, that fully justifies any of them, except maybe. I mean, I was I was gonna say except maybe Trinity's death, but I don't even. That's not, not even really. It's yeah. It's like I don't. Understand. She's cool and she loves Neo. That's her whole character. And it's like she she's great throughout the whole thing, but she just it, like throughout the whole trilogy. I mean, but like she just isn't given as much as like I as much as she deserves. Like as much as she like she's. She's doing her darndest and like yeah, acting her ass off, but like the character just is given so little to do, um, especially after the first movie. Like in the first movie, it's like you can yeah. sort of, although even not even really, like in the first maybe half of the movie, it's like she maybe could be seen as like a guide to Neo, sir, yeah. but not even really. Like that's Morpheus. Um, she like yeah she connects him to Morpheus. Yeah, it's like it, yeah, him. it's like she she's the recruiter, I guess, sort of. I guess that that is sort of feels like her role. It's like she's a recruiter. Like she's out there on the internet yeah. being cool, being a cool hacker, like finding people who seem other hackers who seem like dissatisfied with their lives and questioning their reality and then she connects them with with uh, Morpheus. Um but even that, the fact that I don't even know exactly what she was doing, like, like was that her role? I have no idea. Yeah, Neo, I, Neo I knows who she is, imp- but how? Under the impression that, yeah, it switched to Neo being the recruiter because he's the one giving, like, the message at the end of the first movie. Like, right. It sounds like he's kind of, like, the new rallying call for all of the new people to wake yeah. up. Yeah. What exactly yeah, is Trinity's role? Like, so, yeah, I said on the last, I think I said on the last episode that this feels like, like, my one of my criticisms were loaded is that it's, way more interested in its concepts than its characters. And like the characters are what drive the movie forward. And so, but I think like once you accept like, Hey, that's what this movie's, that's what these movies are fucking about. <laughs> like they're about their concepts and like, you have to engage with them on that, uh, you know, battleground, I guess. Um, then I think they're, they're really fucking interesting and I still really enjoy them. And so I, it, it feels like one of the problems is like, because, like, we keep talking about, like, comparing it to Star Wars and how, like, this was supposed to be the Star Wars of, like, the uh, 2000, early 2000s. Yeah. And it's sort of like we got the original trilogy and then we immediately went into the prequels <laughs> where people are like, Whoa, what? What? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, more, it's more Star Wars, but uh, yeah. I don't know about this. It's so. more of it. You're getting a, a bigger, wider picture of the world in which this exists. Um, and but that's what the creators think is really interesting. Yeah, it just feels yeah. like the classic. Like, the creators think something... Is inter- something that the uh, misunderstands what the audience likes. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> and maybe it's not even a misunderstanding. Maybe that's just not why they were making them in the first place. I don't know. Like the more I like, like who knows? so I did not. I was pretty critical of Reloaded, and I think there's a lot to criticize here. But like the more I think about these movies, because I have to, <laughs> because we're recording a conversation about it, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, these should these should have been like another Star Wars level franchise like well, and I'm I kind mean, of in love with them. It probably will be now. <laughs> uh we don't know. Matrix um, forever. <laughs> but like the which hey, I was thinking maybe that little girl is going to be the main character of the fourth one. Oh, the program? Sati? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 
go work, find a way to work. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the only thing she does is make sunsets. Yeah. <laughs> That's the implication. So, so I mean, power. she could be a so villain power for making a, a sunset. <laughs> You mean all that stuff they were shooting in downtown San Francisco? That was Sati jumping off of buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as an adult, she's that would be super great. badass. Love it. She's she's going to be doing the scorpion kicks this yes. time around. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I do like the the Deus Ex Machina. I, that's, I, it's weird that that's the name of it, but yeah, I like the, I the baby thing. Like it's it's really creepy, and like I was listening to it in the speakers and. Yeah, Kevin Michael Richardson's really heavy voice sells just the the oddness of it. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like there are a lot of really strange, interesting ideas with this world, and I feel like yeah, more time would benefit. And like I feel like it's kind of condensed, and it's like this two hour time frame. There's just too much that they try to try to cover. Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna discuss the uh, recasting of the Oracle? Oh yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like if you're gonna recast the Oracle, like go in a very different direction. Don't just give me someone who's, you know, like, similar. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like, what? What's her name? Gloria, the woman who played uh, Gloria the Oracle. Foster. Gloria Foster. Like, she has so much charisma in yeah. these movies, and the replacement Oracle, like, doesn't really. And like, part of it, I could see being motivated by the fact that like this is an Oracle that is facing her death <laughs> and like um except not really as we but she's fa- facing the seriousness of the scenario yeah. like it's 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 not a happy oracle it's not a it's not a charming charismatic oracle um well i think isn't it implied that like her body was taken away by the merovingian and then like this is just yeah i think like, that's just rebuild. them having to explain they're they, just having to explain they, that the actress died is that what it what because she's just like i made a choice i think it's and for it cost me this Oh, for because Sati? because the Merovingian says something about like every like everything comes with a consequence, you know, like everything has a there's a, comes a price with everything, and so like the price for um, Sati going to freedom with the Oracle was it cost her her shell, I think. Okay, because they refer to it as a shell. Yeah, yeah, it does. To me, it feels very weird that they didn't just decide to cast an actor who was completely different. Yeah, um, and. Yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah. Like, what sort of? I was thinking Conan O'Brien would be pretty good. <laughs> uh, well, I was just thinking, like, basically, just like the there is no spoon child. Like, um, you know, just like the idea have, is that the Oracle is the mother and Ar- Architect is the father. So, so they probably you think want, they want to keep it. Yeah, as they a probably woman. want like typically. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I just have always felt like they could easily not have included the Oracle. Like Smith has already absorbed her at the beginning. Like they already have her essentially be destroyed within the plot of the movie um yeah that, that, that could I happen feel like that would make total sense too yeah or you know off screen or not even off i mean i'd like i do really like the scene with smith and her but i it just feels really uncomfortable yeah he like calls her mom right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just the i guess yeah it's just like the recast feels uncomfortable but yeah and i think part of it is just like um the f- original actress did a really good job like a really really yeah. good job and this new actress is fine i think but it's she, not it's not the same Gloria foster gives the best performance across all three movies maybe hugo weaving i think hugo weaving is pretty cool yeah, <laughs> yeah i was saying like, it like very different one, i think he's he like that he like menacing laugh. This movie for me yeah yeah <laughs> the menacing laugh and yeah that's like him just like covered in mud and just being like just defeated but just like confused and baffled just yeah it's just he's very vulnerable and great and i just love his 
the the way his face can kind of just like be very yeah. stretchy. <laughs> Could Gloria so Foster cool. say it's the smell in the same way that uh, Hugo? Oh, I Weaving... believe so. That's true. She probably could. <laughs> Hugo Weaving play the Oracle. <laughs> And offer Neo cookies the same way. I don't think he True. could. <laughs> but no, yeah, the, the last, like the climax <laughs> scene with, with Smith, where he's when he suddenly realizes like something's gone wrong. Um, love it. It's, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just wish yeah, that fight was scared. just a little bit better. I was into it when I was thirteen. I thought that was like the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But yeah, now I'm like, yeah, this is just not aging very well. Yeah. And yeah, even some of the shots of uh, the like the machine fight were. Yeah, there's like just like a, a clearly like the background is just like just yeah. all bad CGI. Although stuff. overall, I feel like the machine emotion. CGI I think has aged. I think it's aged really well. Yeah, really well. Yeah, there's definitely a few. Yeah, sort of like background foreground issues. Yeah, where there feels like some harsh it's divide. But overall, for it being was this 2003 or th- 2002? Yeah, 2003. So good. Like there were so yeah. many. There are so many worse movies from 2000. Or there's just so much CGI from 2003. That I that I would have a much harder time buying on screen. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, um, these people had an incredible budget. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I like I the there's a one specific wide shot that's like yeah. the money shot in the machine fight in the machine uh, fight where it's just a wide shot and you're watching Squiddy's like dive down and the drills all lit up and there's, there's smoke like and there's fire and, and it's just like this yeah. really nice wide. And it's like, look how shooting, how how wide we're shooting. Um, and this and, fictional. And the, uh, yeah, it looks like a painting. Like, it looks yeah. so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Fucking Bill Pope. <laughs> Knocked it out he's of the not, park. He's was... not doing the next one. Really? I forget who they got. They got the guy who did Cloud Atlas, I think. Ooh. Shaking Would my I head. I don't know. I, I tried to watch that movie with like a friend of mine, but like it's one of those things where it's, it gets just very strange <laughs> as you get to like the middle end of that movie. Then yeah, like there's some weird race bending things with like, oh, oh, makeup I and stuff. Race that. bending, <laughs> yeah, or, or like that's they get nice, that's, weaving. A, that's a really <laughs> nice like a way to put it down. Yeah. It's a very gentle way. To say. <laughs> Avatar, the last race bender. <laughs> It's like, yeah, there's so many, so many other really rough ways to, to describe what they were doing. But yeah, like, yeah, Hugo Weaving as like, yeah, a person like that's from China. And it's like, okay, this is a little dicey. Well, and, Hugo Weaving it. as a person from China. Yeah. And what's the actor who's from that, uh, that Beatles movie? He didn't, wasn't he one of the ones that they also were Beatles like, and now plays someone from China. Are you thinking of China. Clint Howard from Ticks? No, I'm not. <laughs> No, from uh, across the universe, like the lead actor oh, from that is also Beatles. yeah, <laughs> yeah, like he's also. In it. I'm pretty sure they also uh, yeah decide he's not white anymore hmm. halfway through the movie. The decision, oh, shit. sure it's a is, choice. sure is you a just choice. Gotta commit to the choice and persevere. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that's heavy. <laughs> this movie's about comedy. It's all about making a choice, committing to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all about yes and yeah yeah <laughs> anything okay. else about the matrix revolutions um trying to think uh you like kind of t- touched on most of the notes i mentioned i feel like the i like I these took. movies a lot more than i thought i did um okay. i went into this being ready to be like yeah the next two suck I've, I've i've rewatched them before the next two suck but then somehow maybe maybe you just need to rewatch them three times uh, and then listen to cornell west talk about that <laughs> Yes. No. Seriously, that can definitely help. I was going into this one expecting to to completely disregard it and hate it, but there there are a lot of parts of it that 
won me back over. And so I, I'm definitely with you. This one is warming up to me. And yeah, overall, very. I think it's a, a solid trilogy. It just has just some, some issues that would change. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, it's just, yeah, the decision to go concept over character is like, it's an easy thing to criticize, to just be like, oh, well, this was the problem. And then, like, once you acknowledge what the problem is, it's like, well, I guess I'll just go with whatever these movies are actually doing and try and, uh, you know, make sense of that. And I I think you can appreciate them way more. Yeah. I think uh, your comment about, like, reevaluating them with the lens of queer cinema was really interesting in our first conversation because I was thinking about that. And this one, because I was like, okay, there's not, like, I didn't really get any of that in the second movie. It's kind of just, like, fights and chases and stuff and it kind of just goes but i felt that in a little bit more in this in this movie where we have this like new character like the medic taking care of bane is kind of like reminds me of uh forget the character from the yeah kind of like kind of like reminds me of switch and the person just because she has like bleach blonde hair and that just was very iconic for that character but then also like link's wife has like this friend that they kind of hook up Mm, with in like when they're doing the fight i was like this other like kind of androgynous character and i find it interesting that both those characters get killed in this movie Hmm. and i was just like i I was just thinking like was this like remnants of wanting to make a comment on these possible issues and then it just didn't get fleshed out fully or it It might just be a representation thing too because it's like the club hell scene where it's just like people in latex and fetish gear and stuff and i'm like hell yeah like good for the wachowskis like trying like <laughs> providing representation to like fetish culture and like an incredibly huge blockbuster movie yeah yeah full-on bdsm party yeah and there's just somebody doing... tweaking their nipples in the corner of oh yeah that was yeah. that was the first yeah, I, I love the camera just passing by and i'm just like wait what are they doing yeah. <laughs> the movie's about yeah, this person now <laughs> yeah i wish yeah, so, <laughs> so great yeah, that, that scene is, is such a trip. It, it is very strange to me, but yeah, like the fact that they go in, it's like the green laser going down, it's just like, yeah, it just, it feels like super stylistic and they want this to be super freaking cool. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it's a little weird to me. And it's like shot similar to how the club scene in the first movie shot, mm-hmm. but it's just like everything is elevated. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I guess the music was a little lower because it wasn't Dragula by Rob Zombie. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of the music, I like that the first two movies end with a Rage Against the Machine song, but this yeah. movie ends with the incredible score I from hated the... that. <laughs> <Bring> <laughs> back, not, not into <laughs> Not into Daniel, yeah, we, I was the like... movie finished and Daniel was like, no, Rage? And then he like fast forwarded through the credits to see what like the next song would be. Still yeah, no, no Rage. Yeah, I was like, they gotta get to a Rage song eventually, right? <laughs> it's like, come on, Wachowski, can't walk finish, out of, finish it up. I can't walk out of the theater to this. <laughs> Yeah, like, they just, ah, so good. It's just, like, really good song choice. And, yeah, just Calm Like a Bomb is just fucking perfect for that the second movie. It just makes me so, the first one's that's the reason up. why. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fucking. They should have used. Fucking uh, ah, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, because Wake Up, it kind of, there's, like, a riff in there that kind of sounds like a Led Zeppelin song. And then I think that same Led Zeppelin riff was used for the song that uh, Jimmy Page did with Puff Daddy for Godzilla. <laughs> Just use uh, that song. Talking about cashmere. <laughs> yeah. Come with yeah, me. No, uh, I'm talking about come with me, not cashmere. Sorry, my, my bad. He did he. 
Funny, funny story. I was like obsessed, obsessed with Godzilla 1999 or whatever. And so, yeah, that, that soundtrack was on heavy, heavy rotation yeah. in, <laughs> in young Thomas's house. And yeah, that was like one of the first times I was ever like completely in love with everything about a movie. Just yeah. like, I don't know if you guys remember the the billboards for that, but they were like, his eye is this big or something like that. I was just like completely sold. I was just fucking obsessed. <laughs> I remember I liking that. that movie as a kid. And like I liked like, that Godzilla had a bunch of was it was uh that they could reproduce by themselves and they had like a asexually, bunch of asexually yeah is that what it's called reproducing asexually I guess yeah it would be I guess so yeah right but yeah there are was a bunch of Godzilla do, babies it was fun. are you guys gonna do a, Godzilla yes a God- <laughs> we have <laughs> yeah we, we have. should do that we could do all twenty seven or whatever <laughs> movies we have the box let's do it I think we should pick like we should pick like five. Five like a couple blockbusters and a couple of the like under the radar. Have you seen ones. Shin Godzilla? No, it's like I was gonna I like yeah, fuck like our next series. I was gonna suggest like Rambo. That's like five movies, but like twenty two <laughs> Godzilla movies. No. I was like fuck yeah, you let's either, do it. Well, if we're basing this just on what Daniel and I own, you either have to do Godzilla or Zatoichi, which yeah. also has that's a similar. Like 50 movies <laughs> Yeah, um, is that the that's the blind samurai one? Yeah, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. So we we found movies. a rank. We don't have to talk about this. This is getting too <laughs> off. But we did find a ranking of them. Daniel looked up like what are the best Zatoichi movies because we bought this top like, one hundred. And and it's like the number one is like number seventeen. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Like, like, fuck, we gotta watch seventeen of these just to know <laughs> to get to just the to best make sense one. of the best one. Um, that's amazing. But yeah, I'm I'm usually all in for Godzilla because like it was like a huge yeah. thing for me as a kid and like I still love it now. I just watched um uh Godzilla King of the Monsters. I think that was the, yeah, the, the name of it. Yeah, the most recent wa- one that came out. Yeah, I watched that with my parents like two weekends ago and yeah, it's just silly. It's just like just screw it. Like it doesn't have to yeah. be like super brooding. Like I I like the the 2017 or whatever that one people fucking hate that movie, but I I like that. We got to we got to figure out we got to count down the weeks and like make a calendar where we can watch uh, Godzilla, then King Kong, then Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> yeah. So we got to time it right so it comes out on HBO when, when on the exact it. same day. Yeah. You guys can yeah, do a commentary, yeah, <laughs> a live commentary as you watch it for the first time. Anyway, back to the Matrix. Yeah, it's going to be super entertaining. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I was really excited to hear that you guys are going to do the Animatrix. I mm-hmm. was actually, that was like my only question I had planned was asking whether you're going to watch the Animatrix. And then you answered it oh, immediately. Um, that's good. I've okay, never seen good. it. Oh, you have not? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Because like, I, so I don't remember what my reaction was to Revolutions when I saw it in theaters as a kid. Like... I don't remember any specific criticisms, but I do remember that I kind of took the wind out of my sails when it came to the Matrix, where I was like, oh, the animation is out. Curious about it. Don't really feel the need to watch it, though. Like, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. yeah Did I you never watch no it either, interested. Thomas? No, I've seen okay. it. Um, like, not immediately after yeah. like the hype of everything, but I definitely caught it. And oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. All right. Yeah, I yeah, like so it. it's good. I'm excited for you. I really, I want to rewatch it. It's been a long time. Yeah, that's going to be dope. So that's going to be after whatever our next movie is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. Ooh. <laughs> Are you trying to find a good Matrix pairing? Or well, just... it's my turn to nominate one. Oh. So I was thinking of doing Alita Battle Angel. Because <laughs> it is <laughs> another cyberpunk movie uh, that is not very good, but it has a lot going on. 
Um, if not, now that we've talked about Shin Godzilla, Shin Godzilla was like one of my favorite movies of the year it came out. I think it's one Save of my favorite it. movies of the decade. <laughs> Save it for, I think you guys should do a smattering okay. of Godzilla yeah, yeah. Let's for do this. That. Before, uh, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all a I'm Godzilla all sampler. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll do Alita Battle Angel. Okay, it's cool. fucking. Okay. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah. Well, because oh I can't, I'm trying to remember. Daniel came back from the theater after watching Alita Battle Angel, and was like, "You were both. You were like, it's bad. I don't understand it. I have to see it again <laughs> immediately." <laughs> I didn't though. I just but like. But you felt you were like compelled, like you were fueled by something. But it was just in theaters at the me, time. You weren't going to go rewatch it in theaters. To me, the that movie is an interesting. It is a totem to be. <laughs> and it, it is just something that you can use to psychoanalyze its creators. And that is why I think it's interesting. Okay, well, Because I feel like that movie says a lot about the people making it. Okay, save it for... Okay. Save it for <laughs> that's yeah. an, Okay, teaser. Teaser for next week. Yeah. And this is Robert Rodriguez, right? Robert Rodriguez, and it was uh, produced by James Cameron. I think he wrote it. It was something he wanted to make for fucking ever. Wait, James Cameron wrote James it? Cameron. And then, like, uh, for whatever reason, he didn't do it. Maybe because he had five Avatar sequels to make. <laughs> but Robert Rodriguez came in, and he was like, when I make this movie, I'm going to do an impression of James Cameron with how I direct this movie. So, so it's, it's, like, it's Robert Rodriguez making a James Cameron movie. So it's like Spy Kids, James oh, Cameron goodness. movie? Mm, I've never seen Spy right. Kids. Oh. So can't say. Okay. They're, oh, they're weird. I remember they're, seeing those. Maybe really we should weird. do that. Yeah. Being into it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have the stamina for that. <laughs> my my old policy was like, yes, all movies, all series, no matter what. But now I'm like, I, I got reviews yeah. to write. So yeah, this is my life we're talking about. <laughs> Time is precious. Yeah. Um. So does that wrap things up for Revolutions then? Yeah. Do we want to do what have you been watching? Sure. Do you want to? You could take. You could lead us off. Uh. Okay. Well, this week I. It's been weird. I haven't really been watching anything. Like, I haven't been dedicated to watching anything in particular. I tried to watch like the Netflix Night Stalker mm-hmm. documentary, but I was not. I, I'm finding out like I just don't care about true crime anymore. <laughs> I just like I have no interest. Background. Uh, yeah, I mean, like after I think the only one that was like really compelling to me was the uh, Aaron Hernandez ones. I don't know if you guys ever. Watched I didn't watch that. This that dog but i think that one is outstanding because there's just actual like nightclub nightclub footage of him committing these crimes and so it's it's just like yeah like it's just it's just really odd just be like okay like now we're gonna show you the footage of like him outside the night it's just like this is just really really weird and a lot of true crime is just like yeah you got interviews and then like really slow camera footage of just random stuff and yeah i feel like once you kind of seen seen one you've seen them all yeah yeah, so that's like one thing I try to try to get into, but I couldn't. So I decided just to watch like stand up instead. So I've just been like watching stand up comedy on on YouTube. Um, that and then WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision. I mean, I, we watched, hey. we caught up on WandaVision. What do what, what do we think? It's whatever. I mean, I this, thought the, the first two episodes were more fun. The first two episodes were really exciting to be like, yeah. okay, what is Marvel's trying something new and. But, like, even watching this most recent one, it's, like, so hard for me to appreciate it just as a show because I'm just thinking about the production of the show and, like, how weird it is that the show exists. Like, I'm constantly distracted by it as a thing that exists. (laughs) 
I feel that. That's how I felt about when I watched Atlanta for the first time. I was just so entranced by just the entire package. I was like, I don't even care what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, I'm just so happy that Donald Glover has a TV show <laughs> and it looks fantastic. So I'm yeah. Just, yeah. Looking at these frames and just like zoning out a little bit, but yeah, for this third episode, I was like, yeah, it's it's getting more towards the the big phasey kind of stuff, and yeah, yeah, it was just weird. Like the whole like birth thing was kind of a, a weird like thing to center the the episode around, but yeah. I, I I was kind of into it. Got like spooky weird towards the end, and you know, yeah, I like it. I'd like yeah. it to be spookier, spookier. and I feel like they're not going hard totally. enough into the. Um, into the like eras like, like that they're setting the show in like there wasn't really anything that felt specifically what are we in are we in the 70s now like is that Brady the, Bunch era yeah it didn't feel like it was leaning into that enough like I don't really feel like either of their performances are really sort of like catered towards that um maybe a little bit of the scene where they were like where they're like freaked out about a sound like and they're really like hamming yeah. it up a little bit but I feel like overall it should be leaning harder into that for me to really think it it's doing anything interesting. It's yeah, sort of, I agree. Everything just sort of feels like a set, like it's it's just sort of like wallpaper. Um, yeah, that era is also kind of weird to make fun of, like the like Brady Bunch, like '60s era. Like it's just really wholesome, family based, and yeah. Yeah, it's good to have like a lot of characters and shenanigans and side plots and shit. But it feels if it's like, just yeah. Wanda and Vision. It feels like, like okay, it doesn't like, quite have enough. It doesn't have as many tropes that we're as familiar yeah. with as as like the fifties yeah. does. Is like I Love Lucy, Dick Van Dyke Show, like like fifties and sixties, like that that really sort of classic era has a lot of tropes that are super easily recognizable. Um, but a lot of the sixties stuff is purely like fashion stuff, and it doesn't yeah. feel like they do that with well, Wanda like, at all. Like they're not even leaning into that. Um, but it's like, what are the hallmarks of that era? Like, I don't even really know. I, I mean, I they, I think of. they are leaning into, like, specifically Brady Bunch. I think they're, like, I think that's but what, like, like some what? of the sound, sound, like, okay, the, yeah. the score stuff sounded oh, well, like so it. Like, yeah, it's like that stuff, but also, but, like, plot stuff. Yeah. Because it's the fact that we have so many characters and it's, like, different camera locations or whatever. So, yeah. you know, you can have the sisters doing something and the brothers doing something yeah. and it all kind of concludes yeah. at the end together in this nice package. They do do the outside establishing shot with the music playing. Yeah. That like. Yeah. Which I'm waiting for them to do the Seinfeld uh, <laughs> parody or whatever. The, the slap at a bass. Yeah. Like, um, Have someone burst they're gonna, through the door. They're, they're going to skip Seinfeld. They're just going to do Full House. Full House. Full house. No, they got to go yeah. to Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's, that's. They're going to do Always Sunny. <laughs> Oh, goodness. It's like as soon as they get contemporary, they're just going to be like, okay, we're reconnected with the MCU. Like, it's going to, they're not going to do any, like, I don't think they're going to do any contemporary. But there is, like, in one of the trailers, there is a moment where it looks like she's talking to the camera, and people are calling that the modern family moment. Oh. Will they do young Sheldon? (laughs) That is the question. There's room now. There's a child. There's America, America waits with bated breath. Yeah. (laughs) Um, oh goodness! Yeah, that would be interesting if they do the mockumentary Office Parks and Rec Modern Family Talking Head <sighs> interview. Thing. I mean, I guess they could do it um, at uh, Vision's job. Maybe they could do something like that. <laughs> they, they just do strictly Office parody at his job. Yeah. Someone um, looking at the camera as a punchline. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh yeah. no. Um, yeah, I guess that is kind of the only contemporary trope that would be really easy to pull off. Other than that, it's not. I, I can't really think of anything that's super super uh recognizable yeah it's reminding me of community because sometimes community will pick something to parody i'm like okay there's a lot of stuff to mine here but sometimes they'll pick something where there's not a lot of things to 
to really like dig jokes yeah. out of. I'm like, okay, like I get why you guys think this is funny. It's all like, all an in joke, but yeah. there's not much for us to really like recognize. Yeah. And so, yeah, moving towards more modern TV, yeah, it's gonna be really fucking yeah. subtle. The thing that they can do. Well, I'm just like, where's Bonanza? Why didn't they do some cowboy stuff? <laughs> that would have been cool. super fun. Yeah. Um, do like Variety ER, show. like medical drama <laughs> yeah. stuff. No, but um, it's sitcoms. It's all supposed to be sitcoms. I know, but yeah. yeah so mash. That'd be great. <laughs> Scrubs, I guess. Yeah. You know, medical um, sitcom. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Scrubs. <laughs> But yeah, they could do that and like sort of like Sex in the City stuff, more like narrator heavy stuff, where like Wanda's narrating or, or someone else is narrating. Is Sex in the City a sitcom? No. Well, come on, kind of. Simpson, do Simpson, do an animated <laughs> episode. I would. Oh, yeah. Like I would consider Sex in the City a sitcom, and yeah, like a single, like a single camera sitcom in a, in a weird yeah. way. I don't really know what else it would be. It's not really a drama. I mean, I guess it is kind of dramedy, drama. situational dramedy. It's what well, I've drama? never honestly I've never watched Sex and the City, but from what I know, it's like it's, no it's like it's them it's them like cycling through dudes, and so yeah, it's like that's like I the sitcom. Like, okay, like this the... is the guy of the week, or like well, this was know. sort of a like late eighties, nineties, early two thousands thing of like character sums up episode with voiceover at the end. Yeah. Like I'm sort of waiting for murder? that to was, happen. Did that mean a murder? She wrote. Um, <laughs> she I'm was just typing sure. a story. But that was Doogie in Hauser. like. <laughs> Yeah. Where's but, yeah, but there's, lots of, there's lots of like in the 90s like character journaling like and you hear their voiceover and it tells you the moral of the Wonder episode years. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly um the best version of that was from a reality show called run's house on vh1 or it was run from run dmc yeah. and at the end of every episode he'd be in his hot tub on his <laughs> talking oh, about like what i learned <laughs> Bernie like him. had him sitting in a chair oh yeah oh, so fucking yeah. good Hello, America. Yeah, he was fucking the best. Like, yeah. rest in peace, man. Yeah, like, I got a glimpse of, of him on, like, Ocean's Eleven. It was, like, on the TV. I was like, man, like, so good, so good. Great actor. Um, yeah, have we yeah. watched anything besides WandaVision? Well, what have we been watching lately isn't always what we've been watching. Oh, Sometimes it's video it's games. <laughs> but, um, Which I have been watching wanna... you play. But what I want to talk about is we've been playing a board game called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. And so Gloomhaven, okay. huh? What was that? Okay, <laughs> I'm, 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 all, I'm all in. <laughs> Sounds was, great. There was a game that came out a while ago called Gloomhaven, which it's like over a hundred dollars. It's a giant fucking box, biggest box you've ever seen, and it's basically like a simplified D and D where you don't need a dungeon master. The game is the dungeon master. <laughs> which, and, I mean, to be clear, not having a DM both complicate like also complicates things because now everyone needs to know the rules instead of one person (laughs) and like you're playing with cards instead of dice and like your stats are kind of just like built into the cards you don't have to like make this elaborate character and shit and like the quest is like pre-written predefined for you um apparently it's very difficult to learn but they came out with, in this past year, they came out with a game for like $50 called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. And it's about a quarter of the length, has like way less components to it. And it functions as like an intro to Gloomhaven. Like the first five, there's 25 scenarios. The first five kind of get you up to speed on how Gloomhaven's rules work. 
Just in gotcha. just introducing new rules in each yeah. scenario. And we haven't even finished the first five, and we're fucking... I'm loving it. It's <laughs> like, great. I'm we got so the whole it. house in. My sister and her boyfriend are playing it. Yeah, um, when we're not playing, which we're we talking have to. about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we have it spread out on the dining room table, and you'll just walk past That's it great. to get to the kitchen, and someone <laughs> will be just sort of standing at the table, just like contemplating their yeah. next move, and be like, can I look at your... Time. No, you can't look at my cards. That is cheating. You're not allowed, but you can think about your own move. Go for, go for it. Yeah. And do you customize your own characters? Like, there's It comes with four characters, and like four miniatures for the characters there's not a ton of customization right off the bat you can yeah. clearly as we go on you can you can customize a little bit but it, it's kind of presets to because like so like each character has like a hand limit you're allowed to have like 10 cards in your hand or whatever and as you play you get more cards and so you are making decisions when you go into each scenario of like what am i going to take into the scenario how am i going to build my hand how am i going to sort of build my character yeah um, um yeah it's pretty cool yeah and we can only play like twice a week because I work too late most nights. Yeah. And every and, session is like session. an hour and a half, two <laughs> yeah, hours. Two hours. Probably. So it's strictly for Friday nights and Saturday mornings. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah. yeah. Those games are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like I appreciate having a DM because I get kind of like lost in, yeah. in those like no those it's really luckily rules. i mean we do kind of still have a dm which is daniel because he's the only one that'll i'm the read one the, reading the really, rules read the, role book. <laughs> the, the rest of us are just like Next. what's going on we're like well, i don't understand guess we can't do it and like daniel's the other like, night, no no <laughs> we packed up the game and then like it's just still on my mind so i'm like on reddit reading about people playing the game like and yeah, like i wander out into the living room like two hours after we pack it up and I'm like, I figured out a rule. We've been playing it wrong. <laughs> like, oh, what God. do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, so that is that's that great. Is that's like that reminds me of like fucking uh, the Twitter feed for Uno. They're like, oh, like these are the actual rules, and people are like, no, like our like no, like we're not going to listen to the Twitter Stop, feed from Uno please. to tell us how we play in our house. <laughs> our house has different rules. Yeah, my family eventually learned to play. Um, Based on my one of my cousins, my cousin married this guy Dorian, who brought his own set of rules to Uno, and it was uh, yeah. So it's like you're playing Dorian's rules, um, and it was basically oh, rule number one: you can cheat. Like cheating, <laughs> cheat, it's like it's like if you can see someone else's cards, you should look at their cards. Um, and two, okay. if like the same, if if like a red three is played by someone who's like three people ahead of you. And you have a red three, you can just cut in and play it right away, and then the round just picks up from where you are. That is chaos. So, oh, oh, it gets <laughs> cutthroat. It's so good. That's not, that's a great rule, though. Oh, it's so great. But combined with cheating, oh man, <laughs> it gets it gets wild. Yeah. I have to tell you, I got caught in this endless Uno game when I first moved back home. We were playing, and like the way we're doing, we're just like, yeah, we we were reshuffling the deck at the bottom, but like just the combo of cards we had were, was just not ending the game. And I was just like, this is yeah. going to keep going around because there's only three of us. And just like, yeah, like three is not enough. I'm never playing Uno with just three people ever again. It's like longer than a game of Monopoly. Longer than all of the Lord of the Rings movies. All right, I think that wraps things up, right? Yeah, sounds about good. Yeah, we're getting a little over an hour. Yeah. Okay, so we've yet to decide what the next movie oh, is. So, um, Alita Battle Angel. Let's do it. Okay, okay. Alita Battle Angel. All right, cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
definitely always welcome to have you back. Well, I am and... always here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 24 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have lists, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, or, or you just want to tell us fuck off, you can do that too. It's all good. Uh, if you want to follow us at Twitter, Twitter at VagueZone. You can tweet at us and we can, we can take the conversation to Twitter because that's where all the, the happenings are these days. And so, yeah, this has been episode 24. I have been one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always has been Daniel. All right. And catch you on the next one. All right. Take care.